Hi, my name is Renee, and I wanted to thank you for stopping by and listening to this podcast. Now, if you don't follow me on Instagram, why don't you go do so right now? Just go to Instagram and look for Renee Pineda or Renee Alaire. Either one of those, you'll find me there. And be sure to subscribe to both of my podcasts. Break it down again with Renee Pineda and grab your coffee with Renee Pineda. And now, on to the podcast. Enjoy. No matter who you are, music at one point or another has played a major part in your life. We tend to forget the things that happened all around us the moment we heard them, but we do get to hear them every now and then. That person, that moment, that month, that year. Music is as universal as one, two, three. I think it's time we go back in time, grab all those beautiful songs, and break it down again. Hi, how are you? Welcome, welcome. Thank you for downloading or streaming this podcast. This is indeed Break It Down Again with your friend and host, Rene Pineda. I'm so happy. I'm so happy and I'm thrilled, you guys, to be able to finally share this uh, this project that I've been working on for so long. Um, most of you might have uh, kind of already figured out what it was that I was working on. I started receiving messages ever since my last podcast where I talked about music. You guys are so amazing at, at deciphering what what I was talking about, and, and it makes me happy that you guys are paying attention. Um, let me kind of tell you uh, a little about what's going to be happening on this podcast. First and foremost, it's about music. It's about those memories that are attached to the music. Um, so many things going on. Uh, when certain songs come out, and even though we kind of forget, believe it or not, it's there in our memories, in our attic, somehow stored away. Uh, and all you got to do is trigger a song, trigger a sound, trigger a smell, and everything comes back to you. And I want to do that. I would love to be able to do that with you guys every time you hear this podcast. We're going to dedicate it to music, certain things that happened during the time. And um, I really hope you guys enjoy it because I am not lying to you when I tell you that I loved every second of this searching for information, little things here and there that I might have known, but I was wrong, or little things that I thought I knew, but I didn't know at all. Maybe there was a different story behind it. And um, it's really cool. It's really nice to be able to learn something about a song or even an artist that we might have thought it was just a fluke that it was a hit. So many things go into a song. So many things go into an album. And I may not know exactly what happens nowadays, but I can honestly tell you that music is a craft. It's something that I have always admired. I have always desired to be connected to it one way or another. And since I'm not able to get into a studio with actual singers and producers that handle this kind of work, I'm going to try to portray my, my enthusiasm of that and why it is that I am so focused on all the small details. These are the things that make me who I am, and I'm hoping that somehow I can, I can trigger that in you. Or perhaps you already have it, and um, it'll just be a nice little ride for us right? 
Let me start by telling you why I named the uh, the podcast Break It Down Again, of course, with Rana Pineda. Um, I have a favorite band. You should not have a favorite band if you love music so much. But the reason why I consider Tears for Fears my favorite band of all time is just for one song that literally popped my, what do we call it, music cherry, shall we call it that? It was one song that ignited that passion. And that song is Everybody Wants to Rule the World. That's the song that I first heard that I thought to myself, ¿Qué chingados es eso? What is that? What's that sound? What, 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 what's that? Is that a guitar? What, what is that? Is, is, is that drumming? And of course, we're talking about, you know, mid-80s when my soul was just, you know, awakening as far as music goes. Through the first years of my life, I have my dad, a little bit of my mom, I'm not going to lie to you, but mostly my dad to thank for because I was influenced by music uh, of the Beatles, some um, a little bit of Leonard Skinner, some CCR, uh, Credence Clearwater Revival. And I mean, I can go on and on. I, we can go to Ray Conniff. We can go into even just standards from Frank Sinatra. Growing up in the city of Mexico opens up a whole new different world that a lot of people don't have. Everything goes through there. Mexico City is known for having like a million radio stations, each one dedicated to like a format. And uh, there were a few stations in English that literally would play English hit after English hit after English hit. Don't ask me what the names of them were, because I, I honestly don't remember. But I do remember that they made a big impact in my life as far as what um, I remember as a kid. So Everybody Wants to Rule the World came on uh, MTV, and my mind was blown. Uh, here's these two guys. I spoke no English whatsoever. And if you grew up in another country where English is not the first language, you kind of want to make up your own sound of what you think they're singing. And uh, the lyrics to Everybody Wants to Rule the World was one of the first things I wanted to learn when I first arrived here to the U.S. And that made me even fall in love more with the song and the band. And ever since then, I'm hooked. Okay, so Tears for Fears is the name of the group that I'm talking about. And a few years later, I must have been like 14 maybe, maybe even 13. They released an album, and in this album, they had this song called Break It Down Again. And the lyrics to that song really spoke to me as well. I mean, a lot of the music just really resonates with my, with my taste, right? And as I was looking and searching for a name to, uh, to, to, to name, as redundant as that may sound, this podcast, I came across that song as I was just listening to, to music one day. And I thought, geez, that's exactly what I'm going to be doing. I'm going to be breaking down music. We're going to break it down together, you guys. Okay? We are going to, I don't want to say learn, because fuck, I mean, it's not learning. It's just little stupid facts that might actually, I don't know, entertain you. 
Okay, so let's let's get started with this first episode that I am more than excited. Um, there's nobody in front of me. It's a really hot day. And yet I cannot tell you how nervous I am to present this to you. So bear with me as we go into this journey. Some of you might have not been born yet. Some of you might have been born during this time. And some of you might not even realize how important it is to know certain things. Okay, so we're going to travel to a hot summer day. It's July the 10th, 1979, which happens to be on a Tuesday. And for you guys that um, might remember, I obviously don't, but that's okay. Um, there's a song being played on the radio over and over and over, which was the number one song was Bad Girls by uh, Donna Summer. That was at the top of the charts back then. Jimmy Carter happened to be the president. And of course, because it's 1979, we're heading into the 80s, right? We're right about to head into the 80s. You got singers like Gloria Gaynor. You've got Patrick Hernandez. You've got The Knack. You've got Rod Stewart. You got so many artists that are playing. This is like amazing. I mean, we look back now and we think to ourselves, wow, what amazing singers. But at one point or another, they were actually competing for uh, their audience, for the people that now listen to their music as a classic. But at one point, they were cool singers. They happened to be hip. We may not know it now, but they were hip at one point. And um, during that time, uh, you have a few things going on right now. Um, you have amazing programming. For instance, on TV, you could watch MASH. Remember that program with, um, uh, with the soldiers, right, in Vietnam? My God, I, I don't even want to get started on that show. Of course, I didn't see the original run. I had to watch reruns and with a little bit of English when I first started watching it. Eventually, I caught on, and it's, it's a really good show. And then there was a little house uh, on the prairie. I think everybody knows that, uh, that show. Uh, reruns, even now, I think they're still on. And Wonder Woman. Those are the happening shows. Now, kids were watching other shows like Mork and Mindy. I don't know if you remember that show, but Robin Williams happened to be the star of that show. There was Battle of the Planets, The Muppet Show, Happy Days. Uh, Fat Albert and the Cosby Kids. Sesame Street was still kind of a fresh concept. You had the Pink Panther and Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. And then you had Bugs Bunny and all these Captain Kangaroo and so many others that, um, that were still airing at the time. These were the cool things that were happening at the time. Now, at the same time, you had toys, right, that were pretty happening in 1979, like the Cabbage Patch Kids. You had, um, remember Simon? You know, remember he was, we saw it in the 80s and, and early 90s. It was a square, it's a round uh, apparatus with different colors. And all you got to do is basically mimic whatever the light pattern is. I remember that. It was so hard for me to actually keep up with it. I don't understand how, but it's simple, right? And um, um, Hungry Hungry Hippos were around. And a very expensive home computer called the Atari 2600. Yeah. Fancy that. Now, also, keep in mind that by that time, Star Wars had already been out. So the action figures were the happening thing. They were the happening thing. And you weren't cool if you didn't have a handheld uh, football game. I actually happened to own one. Um, I picked it up somehow... And uh, it's it's a white square, plastic, 
and it has little lights on it and you kind of it, it's it's hard to describe without actually watching it but think of a bunch of little red lights and you press left press right and you actually move the little dot and you can just imagine the whole thing now keep in mind this is 1979 where kids imagination was crazy i'm talking about 1986 1987 when i picked one up and it was fun still but you know that that again times change right so many other shows, you guys, that I can go into, and I'm not going to go through all of them right now because, I mean, we, we're we going into music. But I wanted you guys to have an idea as to what it was to be in the summer of 1979. So many things, right? Uh, oh, my God, there was another show. I don't know if you guys remember. Chips, right? With Poncharello. That's right. That was Eric Estrada, by the way. If you guys watch uh, Spanish Soaps, Dos Mujeres Un Pepino, I mean Un Camino. That was uh, <laughs> that was the thing back in, I don't know, I think like 1990 or something. It was so embarrassing to watch him speak Spanish. It was one of those moments where I realized, si voy a hablar español, más vale que lo hable bien, porque I don't want to sound like that dumbass. Honestly, I, he sounded horrible. I was like, don't, don't, don't do it. No lo dejen hablar. That's exactly what I used to think. Okay, so in 19... 19- 78, actually, these two geniuses of music got together. So in 1978, they're working together on a movie called The Wiz. And I'm not talking about PP, okay? No, the Wiz as in The Wizard. And it, this was groundbreaking because it was basically a black version of The Wizard of Oz. Now, um, you could see, of course, uh, Diana Ross portraying a young Dorothy. She was 33 or 34 at the time, trying to portray somebody that was, I believe, 21 or 22. Uh, personally, I don't think she pulled it off, but I think she's still beautiful. But again, that these are just personal thoughts behind that. So many other singers and artists were involved. But if you don't know this, it's cool to know now that the scarecrow was Michael Jackson. Now, Michael Jackson um, sang a um, a couple of songs during that particular movie. The one that I mostly remember is Ease On Down The Road. Come on and ease on down, ease on down, ease on down the road. That's the one I mostly remember. And um, I think it caught Quincy Jones's ear. I don't, I don't want to say eyes because they were, they were looking at each other, but it's ear. And he thought, you know what? Maybe I can work something with this kid. And of course, Michael wanted to work with Quincy Jones. I mean, if anybody was anybody in the music business, it's always been, and it's always going to be Quincy Jones, no matter how old he is. He has always been amazing. So in 1978, like uh, December 1978, they started working together. and. They came up with a song that uh, started basically Michael Jackson's solo career. The name of the song was Don't Stop Till You Get Enough. Now, in order for Michael Jackson to, to, to woo Quincy Jones, he recorded a, a home version of this song. And for this home version or, or demo he had randy jackson help him with uh with some some sounds i believe bass if i'm not mistaken and then janet jackson was playing literally bottles 
Hopefully they weren't wine bottles. I think they were just Coke bottles, right? Ding, 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 ding. And if you if if you pay attention to the song, you can actually still hear that they used glass bottles during the actual recording of the song. In fact, the engineer, the sound engineer um, for that uh, for that song, said he had to use special technology. In reality, he didn't use special technology. He just used a special type of microphone called a ribbon microphone. And these microphones tend to um, only catch certain sounds and the higher notes, they kind of just go right through them. So this is so that when, when, when you hit something high, it doesn't absorb the whole sound, like a type of condenser mic. A microphone like the one that I'm currently using absorbs everything. And it's kind of hard because I have fans going on. I have my computer going on. And the idea behind a condenser mic is to capture every sound. Of course, you don't want to do that if you have a type of sound like tapping on a glass bottle with a drumstick. So he used that to capture that sound. I thought that was really cool. Sound engineers never get enough credit for what they do. And uh, so MJ presents it to Quincy Jones. And there's this type of relationship, shall we call it, that's born. And they created that whole album together called Off the Wall. And so Off the Wall is released on that date, July 10th, 1979. That's when that song was released to the world. And that's when we finally found out that Michael Jackson could stand absolutely on his own without the Jackson 5 behind him or next to him to have his own show. One of the things that happened during the song is that when Michael Jackson wrote the lyrics for it, they were really, really high range. Now, Michael's voice, believe it or not, is not that high. He can't carry that note on his own. So... What they did was amazing. They started, um, it's called overdubbing. And what that is, is, um, for instance, they start recording one note and then the other and then the other and then the other, right? And then they overlap them. But you have to be a master at not only singing, but also recording and editing. Because those five or six, however, overdubbed uh, voices have to not only match up, but they have to be in exact Harmony. If you ever pay attention to the song, and I'm hoping that you guys actually do, um, you can actually hear after each and every single recording of Michael's voice, you can hear the overlapping. I mean, you have to be like totally into it to actually catch it. If you're just dancing to it, you're not going to catch it. But if you pay attention to it, if you wear a good set of headphones and there's nobody around you and you just close your eyes and let the rhythm get into you. Wait, that's another song. If you let the rhythm get into you, you're going to catch it, different voices. And it's not anyone else doing it. It's Michael Jackson. There are a couple of instances where a few um, backup vocalists actually help him. But as far as the song goes, it's all him. And it's funny because I mentioned Star Wars, right? 1977, two years old. And it is said, it's not 100% sure, but I think it is, that Michael Jackson was inspired on The Force from Star Wars, when he sings the lyrics, uh, keep up with the force, don't stop. Don't stop till you get enough, right? And so Michael might have been inspired, influenced, I don't know, by Star Wars, which um, was the film that introduced us to the force. May the force be with you. And those are some of the small details that this song uh, brought to the table 
and again, introduced a special sound with MJ. I thought it was cool. I thought it was amazing. More songs came out of that album, of course, but we are not going to get into that right now because there's so much to talk about, just that album in particular. Um, but I find it peculiar that uh, up until a certain point, I believe it was 1987 or 1988, after Quincy Jones and Michael Jackson uh, recorded the, the album Bad, they parted ways. And it's sad to find out years later that the reason why they parted was because Michael Jackson was, and I'm quoting Quincy Jones, okay? Do not blame me. Do not pin me for this because it's not me. I'm actually quoting an interview that he gave. Um, and they asked him, you know, that he has been the one person that worked so closely and so long with him, or he was, that wasn't his family. And his answer was kind of sad. He said, I hate to get into this publicly, but Michael stole a lot of stuff. He stole a lot of songs. This is kind of sad, okay? And we'll get into that in another episode. Apparently, Donna Summer's State of Independence was originally written by Vangelis uh, and a longtime Yes frontman, John Anderson. Okay, State of Independence was recorded by Donna Summer in 1982. Jones produced it, or Quincy Jones produced uh, Summer's, uh, Donna Summer's version. Now, if you pay attention to it, okay, if you pay attention to that song, and then you listen to MJ's later on, Billie Jean, that little guitar, you know, bass in the middle of the song is very similar. And if you don't believe me, go check it out. Go check it out. It's going to be some, one of those things that's just like crazy. He then goes on to say that Michael Jackson was a very greedy man. While talking about don't stop till you get enough, he mentions that Greg Phelan Gaines wrote the seep section of Don't Stop Till You Get Enough. And in the man's studio keyboardist, meaning he was like uh, somebody that would come in and like paid by session, right? And he played a handful of uh, little sounds, uh, collaborations, including 1979 Off the Wall. And when he wrote that, Michael basically stole it. He was credited in the song, but he never gave him any royalties for it. He should have given him at least 10%. At least that's what uh, Quincy Jones is saying. And that's kind of sad. If you think about it, imagine going into a studio, or you know what, any type of project, okay? And you help out a little. You help this person out. And it turns out that this song ends up being a huge commercial hit. Yeah, you were a part of it, but you get no money out of it. That sucks. You know, that totally sucks. And it's upsetting because as a Michael Jackson music fan, these are not the stories that you want to find out. And these are not stories that you want to hear from people that actually worked with him. It's sad. But you know what? It is what it is. That's the reason why I'm doing this podcast is so that we can learn together and find out little odd things here and there about this song. And it sucks that somebody helped him out and he didn't get shit for it. That sucks if you think about it. And then the person that was interviewing him asked him, hey, what about outside of music? How was he misunderstood or what was misunderstood about Michael Jackson? Quincy Jones goes on to, to say, I used to kill him about the plastic surgery, man. 
he'd always justify it uh, and say it was because of some disease he had. Bullshit. That's what he's saying. Damn. This is somebody that worked with him for the greatest album of all time, produced, recorded, and everything in between by Quincy Jones. This guy knew him. And although Michael Jackson's passed on, these are things that somebody has to say. And I'm glad that it's somebody that actually worked with him. I don't think he's talking ill of the dead. I just think that these are facts that he, or at least his facts, that nobody ever knew about Michael Jackson. Especially, it tripped me out to know that somebody else had written part of the song and was never credited. That really sucks. But you know what? At the end of the day, we are in 2021. That album went on to sell so many copies around the world. It made us happy. It still makes people happy. If you go to any type of get-together and that song comes on, you're bound to have fun because it's one of those songs that's just catchy. Do you remember the video by any chance? It was beautiful. And these marbles going on. You've got Michael Jackson in a black tux, right? Those uh, socks that are just like, bam, right there. You have the marbles playing in the background and... At the very beginning, think about this for a second, okay? Let's you know, let's think about this for a second before before I, I end this podcast. At the beginning of the video of "Don't Stop Till You Get Enough," he is uh, he's talking right, and he says because the force has got a lot of power, and it makes me it makes me feel like it makes me feel like woo right. When he does that, he stretches his arms, and like space travel. Whoo, little reminiscent of Star Wars? Hmm. Something to think about, right? All right, you guys. I hope you enjoyed this particular trip. July 10th, 1979. The day that saw Don't Stop Till You Get Enough come alive in radios across the world. My name is Renee. Last name is Pineda. I'm very happy that you stuck around till the very end of this first podcast for Break It Down Again. Follow me on Instagram. You can find me as René Pineda or René Alaire all together. Thank you very much. I, I couldn't have done this without your support. Um, tell your friends about it. Tell your family. Tell anyone that loves music or wants to know a little bit about music, anything at all. As long as it's about music, we are going to look into it. And of course, we're going to travel back in time and break it down again. Hello. I really hope you enjoyed that last episode. If so, be sure to subscribe and turn on your notifications. This way, you'll know every time I drop a new episode. Also, if you're enjoying the content, why not help support the project? Either one, grab your coffee with Rana Pineda or break it down again. You'll find the link in my bio on my Instagram page. Look for me under René Pineda or René Alaire. Thanks for the support.